0: Good morning and Merry Christmas Eve. We are very glad that you are here. We're going to um, invite the Winters family to come and light our fourth Advent candle this morning.
1: Good morning and welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. There is a promise waiting for us today. Look at a manger scene and you can almost imagine the first moments it took shape. The heartbeat of heaven made audible in the cries of a baby boy. The creator throwing aside the veil and submitting to the arms of his creation. The promise of perfect love within reach. A love that is devoid of slogans but is written on our very hearts. A love that doesn't wear out or go out of season but endures the bruises and battles of life and reaches out to us. Promising his presence forever. Tonight we light the candle. Let us pray together. Lord, thank you for the love that compelled you to break every barrier to be with us. Remind us that your love is not fragile or failing, but an eternal constant as close to our very breath. Amen.
2: And uh, we invite you to join us.
3: Joy to the world. to Christ.
4: and I give him poor as I am if I were a shepherd I would bring a lamb if I were a wise man I would do my part yet what I can I give him I give him my heart let's pray Lord, in this season of giving, the greatest gift that we can give to you, you who gave all for us, is our heart. And I pray that as we come to the end of this Advent, watch that the messages we have heard about the hope and peace and joy that you have provided for us have prepared our hearts to receive you once again. I pray that someone has already responded to your call and surrendered their heart to you for the very first time. We confess, Lord, that our hearts are easily hardened by our sins and by the sins of the world in which we live. And I pray that we who have already accepted your free gift of grace will once again come to the manger in Bethlehem and bow before you and in humility give You our hearts once again. And I pray that You will fill us with Your Holy Spirit to prepare us for the coming year so that we might serve You to the best of our ability. Lord, we thank You for all that You have done and continue to do for us. We thank You for the fruit of the ministries that You have allowed us to witness. And we pray for Your continued provision for our food pantry, for the vault, for our youth, for our kids, for the many cups of cold water that we were able to provide to those in our community, and for the missionaries that you have entrusted to us to support. And yes, Lord, even for Bill, who has done so much to maintain the beauty of our house of worship. We are truly grateful for for the efforts of so many people and for the continued generosity of our congregation, which has allowed us to accomplish so much. And so we give you our hearts, Lord, but some hearts need mending. Some have experienced the loss of loved ones, and we pray that you would continue to bring comfort and peace to them. Some have experienced sicknesses of varying kinds. We rejoice with those who have been healed by your Spirit, and we lift up those who are still suffering, asking for a touch in their minds and bodies. Some hearts, Lord, have strayed and grown, grown colder, and we specifically lift them up to you this morning and ask you to renew their strength, And draw them close to you so that they would feel your presence and your love. And would once again glorify you and serve you as before. And so we give you our hearts, Lord. I pray your blessing on the rest of this service. And I pray that your spirit would settle on joy as she brings us the message this morning. All of these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Stand with me as we recite our creed this morning. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, in the communion of all believers, in the forgiveness of sins, in the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Turn to someone and say you're glad to see them here on this Christmas Eve day. <laughs>
0: Good morning again. We are very privileged that you decided to join us this morning on this Christmas Eve morning, especially to those of you as well online. We're glad that you're joining us. Um, If you are new here, if this is one of your first times here, we have a gift waiting for you at the Information Center. So if you want to stop by there um, after service, Pastor Jerry will be waiting there um, for you with a gift bag. Um, We would love to get to know you better. You can scan the QR code in your bulletin to let us know a little bit about you. But you are very welcome here, and we're very glad that you're joining us this morning. A few announcements. We hope that you join us again tonight at seven o'clock. Um, we will be having our traditional candle, um, candlelight service. Um, it's a beautiful service, so we invite you back tonight. Invite some people with you, and we'd love to see you again this evening um, as we continue to celebrate this beautiful season. Um, normally, we have Awana and youth on Sunday afternoons, but today you get a break because it's Christmas Eve. So we're going to spend some time with our family and our church family. Um, so we will be. Be back after the new year um, and we are very grateful for the teams that serve in those ministries um, and we 're thankful to have time with our families as well so we 'll see you after the new year um, and finally um, we are thankful for all of the ways that you give it is our just even in our small congregation here we don 't just represent Washington and Belvedere um, I live in Pennsylvania we live in a wide um, wide swath of this area. So it is our prayer that not only do we make a difference here in your life and the lives of the people that live in this community, but even into the greater area throughout the Lehigh Valley. And we thank you for your, the, all of the ways that you support this place and the ministries here, um, because we do pray that we make a measurable difference. So um, thank you for your giving. There's many different ways to give in person and online, and we pray that you take advantage of those ways um, to make it a little bit easier for you, and you are a blessing to us. So let's stand together as we continue in worship.
2: as we conclude the music portion of our service this morning, I pray that the worship part of our service would not cease. That we would come to you with our hearts, that we would come to you with our gifts. I'm mindful of the shepherds and the magi this morning who brought what they had. God, I pray that we would bring what we have in awe in reverence and in worship of you. Be honored by everything we say and do. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Children, you are dismissed to Kids Church, and as they go, check out this video. the day is here I guess the day before the day is here but for me this is the day so thank you so much for being here if you haven't met, my name is Jason I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church and it is an honor to host you and have you here with us on Christmas Eve we've been thinking about this day since last Christmas and so I will start thinking about next year's Christmas Eve tomorrow but for today, let's celebrate today. I hope that you will make a point to be with you, us here tonight as we have our traditional candlelight service. And There's one other thing I need to let you know. We'll talk about it again tonight, but if you're not here tonight, I'd, I, I want you to know this. Anyway, next Sunday, I want to invite you to church. Uh, this past, if you haven't been with us, this past third of the year, so the last several months, we've been t- focusing on what God offers us. What God gives us as we live for him and serve him. And tonight, uh, the one, the final piece of that puzzle we're going to look at next week is the miraculous. God offers the miraculous to us. And so if there's something in your life that you feel like you need a miracle, or maybe even it's too difficult for you to believe that God could do it, I challenge you and I invite you to be with us next Sunday because we're going to present our Requests to God, and honestly, I'm not a miracle preacher. I don't like to promise things like this, and I'm not promising, but I don't, I, I don't like to put myself out there very often like this, but in October, I felt like God say, bring me your requests for miracles. And so, we're gonna do that next week, and just maybe, God will do incredible, mind-blowing things in our midst. So, so I invite you to be here next Sunday as we do that. This morning, I have the honor of welcoming my wife, Joy, to speak this morning. So would you welcome Joy as she comes? (laughs) She wanted a podium that has a tilt. And I might break it, so who knows? There's this one over there. You good? We're good. Joy, everybody.
5: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Merry Christmas, first of all. And thank you so much for being here and for taking some time on this Christmas Eve to um, be with your church family. So I just wanted to start this morning um, by telling you, boy, I've had a rough week. I certainly don't feel equipped to be up here speaking, but I feel like that's relatable. So I'm just going to say it. God, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So um, I'm just praying that his Holy Spirit will just shine through today's message. So when Jason asked me to speak today, I was very surprised. And I my first question was, do you want me to preach when? Um, and my second question was, well, what would I be preaching about? And when he told me that this services theme is love and that he wanted me to speak about what is different about the love of Jesus, I honestly didn't feel like I was the right person. I told him, love is the one Advent word that I would not be able to give a message about. Give me peace. Give me hope. Give me joy, for goodness sakes. I could speak about joy, but not love. I did not feel comfortable speaking on this subject, and I was not sure I was going to be able to define what was different about the love of Jesus. But, of course... Jason being the person that he is and the man that he is that so desires to disciple people, he poked at this a little bit, like he does. And after hearing what I had to say, um, he told me, you're the person to speak on this. So the last several weeks, I have been reflecting on my journey with God's love. And this morning, I get to share a message with you that I thought I was not qualified or equipped to speak on. And it's a message that has come alive to me. So today, let's talk about love. Our Advent theme this year has been, what is different about the love of Jesus? What is different, and more definitively, how the hope, peace, and joy, and now love of Jesus is different. So what's different about the love that Jesus offers us? So I want to start this morning by telling you why I didn't feel like I could preach this message. So I have struggled most of my life to really believe that God loves me. For those of you who don't know my background or don't know me very well, um, I grew up in a Christian home. I had an encounter with God at a young age where I knew I wanted to serve him with my whole life. I was passionate about living for him alone. I believed he was born, that he lived, that he died on a cross for me, that he was raised to life again and now sits at the right hand of God. I believed in prayer, and I believed that God loves other people, and I know God loves you. But when it came to my life and me personally, I didn't really believe God loved me. I felt flawed to my core, like there was something wrong with me, that I deserved rejection, and that I had to continually earn and keep his approval. I felt like the love of God was based on approval that I could win or lose at any time, and it was up and down. And his, I believed it was a continual thing that I had to continually earn. And the thought of God continually being disappointed in me reigned in my heart growing up I heard the songs I heard Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so I heard beloved let us love one another where's my 80s Christians I heard the songs but I didn't really know and understand the depths of his love I knew that he wanted me to love other people, but I couldn't grasp that God's love for me wasn't dependent on me being worthy, sinless, or acceptable. And to be totally honest with you, sometimes I struggle with love among my friends and family. I'm often uncomfortable when people do things for me. It's something that I continually struggle with. Um, I have a really hard time accepting help or care from the people that are in my life, from my friends and family. And I feel like I have to repay people when they do things for me. Experience has taught me that compassion is often given with a price. And that gifts of love, like acts of service, come with an expectation that I will earn that. And that it will be held over me until I can repay that back. And there's something about that. That makes me uncomfortable. In fact, there have been times when I will refuse help from people. Not Jason. I never refuse help from Jason, in case you're wondering. But I will refuse help from people, even though I could really use it, because I don't want the weight of the unsaid cost hanging over my head. And I have worked very hard to overcome that and saying no to people who want to be there for me and care for me. So I struggled to believe that God could love me, that I was worthy, that I was acceptable, and I didn't have to earn it or repay Him for it. I just had to believe that I was allowed to receive it. It wasn't until my early thirties, or mid thirties, I was reading the book of Hosea. And the book of Hosea is a perfect foreshadow. It's a foreshadow of the perfect redeeming love. That Christ has for us. We're not going to go into the book of Hosea. We don't have time to explore that story this morning. But part of that story is the story of Hosea and his wife Gomer. Hosea is a faithful husband who pursued and loved his wife, even though she was unfaithful and did the most sinful things. I remember reading that story and realizing If God could love someone like Gomer, who had done things in my eyes that were horrible and worse than anything I'd done, and he could love her and pursue her, then maybe God really loved me. And I said to God, really, God? Do you really love like that? And do you really love me like that? And it was a few days where the only thing I said to God was, really, God? Do you really love me like that? And he began to work in me that day to show me his love for me. And he has faithfully continued to. There was a hardness in my heart that began to soften. A melting, so to speak, took place. And it continues to take place to this day. God loves me. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to earn the love of Jesus and I didn't do anything to get approved for it The first thing I want to say this morning And the first thing I want you to grasp About the love of God and what's different about the love of Jesus is that you don't have to earn it This is something that needs to seep in first John 4 7 through 12 says beloved let us love one another For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, ...and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. That is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice... And you didn't do anything to earn that love. You can't earn that love. All that striving and that trying doesn't get you any closer to God's love. You are already beloved. The meaning of this word beloved is greatly loved. Friends dearly loved by God. Esteem for others that comes from recognizing their worth as children of God. It says that not did God just love us. He so loved us. How do you measure that? And it started with love before you did anything. Everything else in our lives flows out of the love that Jesus has for us. You can love others because of Christ's love and the love of Jesus. The next thing I want to show you that's different about the love of Jesus is that it is an extreme love and it's evidenced in us. When we accept that God sent Jesus and accept Jesus as Lord and believe him and what he did, his love for us is seen in us. It changes us. We're gonna look at John three sixteen through twenty one. This is part of a conversation that's taking place between Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, a person in the ruling class, and a person like him would have been knowledgeable about the Torah and the history of the Israel law. And you would think that Nicodemus would have believed that God loved Israel. But when Jesus was explaining this truth to him, He struggled to understand what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was presenting a new message that God loved the world. This was a radical idea. Jesus was unveiling this truth that God's love is given and it doesn't require a sacrifice. God loves those that despise his love. And even though it's for everyone to take, you see that Jesus' love is a personal and individual love for each one of us. He has enough love for everyone, but he knows each of us intimately and loves us in a way that specifically soothes our soul. He loves us as if we are the only one he came to save. His whole love is focused on us. And he loved us so much that he sent his son to give us life. As a mother, I find this absolutely incredible. I can try to calculate um, what I would sacrifice to save someone or something. And my children are always at the top of the list of who I would die for, who I would sacrifice anything for. I'd sacrifice money, things, other relationships for the betterment of my kids. But I wouldn't sacrifice my sons for anything. Yet God gives his only son to better your life and my life. And why? Because of love. God gives his son. That is an extreme love. And it's evidenced in our lives. It makes a difference in our lives and in the lives of people around us. We know that this encounter with Jesus and his love made an impact on Nicodemus. Later, we see that Nicodemus questioned the Sanhedrin on the arrest of Jesus. And he said he should be given a fair trial. He was also involved in the burial of Jesus, which shows a public identification with Jesus and what he stood for. Verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's love changes us. The fact that Nicodemus was there and made this public identification was huge for a Pharisee at that time. Guilt doesn't change us. Fear doesn't. Condemnation doesn't. God's love changes us. The third thing that I've learned about the love of Jesus is that it is the great equalizer. It's available to everyone, but it needs to be experienced. In John 4, Jesus has a conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. That in itself is scandalous because due to racial prejudices, prejudices, Jewish people and Samaritan people didn't talk to each other. But during this interaction, Jesus offers her hope. By all accounts, she's a woman who has been searching. She's been from Man to man, we don't know why or or how that came about, if she's divorced, if they passed away. But she has had five husbands, and now she's with another man. Jesus treats her in a loving manner. And he encourages her that salvation, God's redemptive love, is available to her. That also was a revolutionary idea. This woman came face to face with Jesus. And she experienced a whole new hope. John 4:14 4, through 15 says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. This is Jesus telling the Samaritan woman. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water they have their interaction and then verse 39 says many of the samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything i did so when the samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days because of his words many more became believers I I, I just love this because here's this woman who probably didn't feel qualified. She's a woman. She's been with five husbands. Now with another man. Um, And because of her testimony, the Samaritan men came to seek out Jesus. And I just love that. She didn't stay with her. The Samaritan woman had an experience with the love of Jesus. The people she would have previously avoided... She now sought out to tell the news of what just happened. She had to share that with the people who avoided her. Wow, talk about supernatural love, about God doing something in you. God's love has nothing to do with our past. You can experience it. God's love has nothing to do with our sin. You can experience it. This love... It it is a love that makes it easier to love those that are hard to love around us. Even when Jesus confronted and exposed this woman's sin, she felt safety and love and security. She knew someday a Messiah would come, but with Jesus, she experienced it and she believed. And when she did, she couldn't help but telling others about it. It's important for us, the followers of Jesus, to give people today a safe place to confess their sin, repent, put their trust in Jesus. That's what changes lives. Jesus knew her story, and he still pursued her. Jesus knows your story. He knows my story. He offers you the living water a better love than you've ever experienced. This woman was searching for a better love. And here Jesus says, I have it. Some of you know this about me. Most of you probably don't. Um, But I could hold a grudge like nobody's business. I would cut people out of my life if I felt they mistreated me or my family. Um, It was uh, a big thing when I was younger. We had a close family friend that I wouldn't speak to for years because he made an innocent comment about my weight. I was 12 years old, and for years I wouldn't talk to him, even after he apologized for something he didn't even know that he did. Fast forward to my early 30s, and social media became a thing. I joined this new thing called Facebook, and I got a friend request from a childhood friend who I will call Jenny. I accepted her friend request, and we went back and forth, catching up through social media like people do. And a short time later, her mother friend requested me, and I stared at her name on the screen, and a memory came flooding back. I was 12, and I was at Jenny's pool party, and Jenny and I had worked up a plan to have a sleepover, but Jenny's mother told us, no, not tonight. So eventually my mom came and picked me up, and I watched as Jenny went to her mother and asked if another friend could sleep over, and her mom said yes to that friend, and they put on this whole charade pretending for my sake, um, you know, that they were going to leave and, you know, just so that I wouldn't know what was going on, but I knew, and I felt such rejection in that moment, like there was something wrong with me. These girls went to church together. Um... And at that time, my family recently left a church, and we didn't attend anywhere. And many people in our Christian school community considered my family unchurched sinners. This was actually said to me by my friend because we didn't go to church anywhere. So 20 years later, I saw Jenny's mom's name come onto the screen. And I felt the righteous anger of my 12-year-old self rise up within me and I hit the deny friend request button. And this time I was rejecting her. I was like, ha! How do you like that? That moment I felt great. I felt like justice had been served. Somehow I was defending my 12-year-old self. But that feeling was fleeting. The rejection still clung to me like a bad odor in the background of my life. It came with me everywhere I went. It was evident. It walked around with me. When I had that time with God, where for the first time I really believed that he loved me, and I experienced it, my heart began to melt some things that had strong roots. Anger, hurt, rejection, control, unforgiveness, bitterness. Holding a grudge they have strong roots. Do you know it takes something stronger to pull those roots up? Love is stronger than those in order to dig those up. I needed to experience the love of God Something began to happen in me when I experienced that love. It's not a one-time thing It's an experience that you have continually I didn't have the chip on my shoulder from rejection and hurt anymore. Forgiveness was easier because I no longer felt unworthy. I was able to see people in their brokenness a little more clearly. I felt love more freely, so I was able to give love more freely. God's love changes us, but we have to experience it. You can talk about it. The Pharisees could believe it, but they didn't experience it. Believing in the fullness of his love for you will give you experiences, joy, and peace that you have never known. And the richness of the life that he offers you is evidence in you for people to see. You are worthy. You are fully accepted. You are worth dying for, and it's not. Because of anything you have done. It flows out of the character of God. A.W. Tozer said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is the path to experiencing God's love. Nothing else. I cannot work my way into the love of God. I cannot charm my way into the love of God. However, I can come into the love of God through that wonderful door Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. Therefore, God's love is available to every person individually. Acts 10.34 says there's no favorites. Jesus has no favorites. Every single person has equal access to the love of God through Jesus Christ. He is the great equalizer. In Jesus' day, the religious leaders could talk about it. They could explain it. But they didn't explain it experience it so it wasn't evidenced in them they thought the love of god was for them only what an extreme message at that time and it's still extreme today but we have gotten used to the message god's love is for the poor the rich the sinners the murderers the religious scholars the hated the hard-hearted his love is for the stubborn the sensitive the wise the foolish Every race, socioeconomic status, the rich and famous have as equal access as the poor and homeless. The love of Jesus is available to you if you accept it, and it will change your life. So we're going to finish with this. What can you do with this different love that Jesus offers you? Romans 8 says, 37 through 39 says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels or demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in christ jesus our lord this says we are more than conquerors more than conquerors means we don't just achieve victory we are overwhelmingly victorious you will not only win in the end jesus gives you the power to win overwhelmingly now That's through his love and his Holy Spirit. Life happens. Fears attack us. Finances are lost. Death is around us. Hardships plague us. Stand firm in his love. Because Satan cannot steal God's purposes for you. And it begins with the love of Jesus. We are to live like we are so loved. Like we are beloved like we don't have to earn love and that we are more than victorious. That is how we are called to live. So maybe you're like I was and you don't know the full extent of God's love for you. Or he don't, you don't really believe that he could love you. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life like me and I had to have an experience with it and continue to need to experience it. Maybe it's your past and what you've done. Maybe it's not that at all. Maybe you have not felt loved here on earth like you should. You faced rejection, felt unwanted, unacceptable. So you can't imagine you are worthy of love from God your Father. I want to tell you that you are worthy. That God sees you. That he knows you. And that the love of Jesus is an epic energizing love that exceeds all expectations jesus died for you and even if you were the only one alone that needed to be saved he would die for you alone that is the great depth of his love you don't earn it you don't have to achieve it you just have to believe it and if you can't you can't ask him to show you how, and he's faithful. God's love for us is rooted in His image and His character, and that never changes. His love flows out of His nature and character, not out of our nature or character or actions. For God so loved the world, that He gave. He loved so He gave. He gave the most precious thing one could give. There's no benefit of that love until you believe it and until you experience it. This morning is an opportunity to open yourself up to a new and different kind of love. The love that Jesus offers. If you believe in him, you'll reap the benefits of that offer doesn't matter if you've been walking with him your whole life he wants you to experience that love anew we're going to take a moment and pray before we do communion and i just want to encourage you if there's some things in your life that need to be rooted up that need to be dug out that have strong roots like i had Maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's anger, maybe it's your need for justice. The love of God is stronger than all those things. And when you experience it, he begins to work in those. That's what can change you. So we're going to take a moment and pray. And if you need to experience the love of God this morning... I just want you to raise your hand and say, God, I need to experience it. I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just learn about it. I want to experience it. Just take a moment and raise your hand to God and say, God, show me how much you love me. God, I praise your name, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you want us to experience experience your love that your love is a different kind of love that changes us that is evidenced in us and that helps us to love others who are different than us who don't believe what we believe it helps us love those that are in desperate need of a savior lord i pray that your love would just work in us today and that we would experience it over and over in your name i pray amen
2: I'm going to invite the elders to come forward as we uh, look to serve communion. But, um, you know, each week at our church, we, we share in this ceremony, if you will. Um, but it's, uh, it's something, if you could just, we'll do both rows over here. Uh-huh. It's, it's the way we remember God's love. I was, Joy and I have been talking about that comment that she made about being a mom of sons and how we can do the math or we can set the equation on what we would sacrifice for our sons. But the idea of sacrificing our sons for anything doesn't fit in any, any equation. When I was driving to the church one day, I was on, Bra- I was on Brass Castle because that's pretty much my whole commute, was just Brass Castle. I was thinking about Jesus, uh, God giving up His Son, and for some reason, I thought of uh, Abraham and Isaac. God call, God asks Abraham, "Will you sacrifice your son for me?" And he takes Abraham, fully committed, takes his son up to a hill in on a mountaintop in what is now Israel. It's actually what would become Jerusalem. And he begins to work the process of giving up his son for God. And in that moment, God sees it and he looks down and he makes a way for that to not happen. He provides a different sacrifice so that Abraham doesn't have to give up his son. And then God continues that plan and instead of asking someone else to give up their son, he gives up himself, And that's love. That we don't ever have to sacrifice to receive God's worthiness because he already did it. And so when we come to communion each week, we're, this is what we're remembering. And yeah, why are you talking about Jesus' sacrifice, maybe your question, on Christmas? Isn't that the Easter message? Yep. This is where the Easter message starts. On the, mor- on the night he was born, he came to do all the work that he would do. And so we are celebrating. So as you, if you're new with us, what we do is we invite you to stand and come forward. And this side of the room has more people. And so we encourage if you're in this area and you want to go to the outside row, that'll make the line shorter. But we invite you to come forward, receive the elements from the elders, and then come back to your seat and we'll share communion together. If you're not able to come forward, we will have someone bring it to you. But if you're not, if you don't, if you wouldn't, would like to not take communion together with us this morning, that's okay. There's no judgment. We're just glad that you're here.
3: Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that. You're my God. You're all together worthy. All together worthy. All together wonderful to me. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together one. It costs to see my sin thank you. Upon that cross. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Here I am to worship here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, all together worthy, all together.
2: In 1 Corinthians, Paul gives instructions to the church in Corinth about how to have this meal. This was very much a meal in, in the early church sense, and they were not necessarily being kind to each other, and so he reminds them of it. And in that passage in 1 Corinthians 11, he, he says, On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks for it, and he broke it. And he told his disciples, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The book of Isaiah, where it prophesies about the Messiah, it says he'll take a beating. And the the beating that he would take, the stripes on his back were actually for our healing. So if you're here this morning and you have an ailment or you need something that needs to be healed, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial... I encourage you to ask as we take that God would heal the wounds. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. Just as you gave thanks for the bread, we give thanks for the bread. We give thanks for your body. We thank you for allowing it to be broken for us. So we come this morning fully aware of our inability to redeem anything and fully recognizing in your ability to redeem everything. God, I pray for Jim Stahl this morning. Lord, I pray that you would heal his heart. I pray for each person in the room and those watching online who are whether physically sick Lord, for the children this week that I heard that were suffering, God, I pray you know their names who I'm thinking of right now. Lord, I pray that you would invade the place where they are and bring healing. By the stripes on your back, we can receive hope. In your name we pray. Would you take the bread with me? Paul goes on to say in the same way after supper, he took the cup. saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. If you've never heard about that word covenant, it's a new agreement, like blood oath almost. There was always something that needed to be, well, killed to make it right. And Jesus said that doesn't have to happen anymore. You don't have to figure out a way to make it right. I'll make it right. So would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for making it right. We're, we're here on Christmas Eve. Thousands of years after you were born. But just like the angels that night, we're here to celebrate you. And God, Jesus, I thank you that you've made a way for us. I pray, as Joy has spoken to us this morning, that we would embrace and accept your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you take the cup with me? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face toward you. And may he give you peace. And may you experience the love that only He can give. God, we honor you today. Be honored by everything we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas. We will see you tonight. We have fire. Come play with us.
3: Who say that you're my God? You're all together lovely, all together.